Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. We have a little bit of a deviation from our normal episodes. We we like to review games and talk about curriculums, but we are getting a update on what's happening in the state of Washington. So a lot of our listeners all around the country and a lot of people, you guys living overseas, um, might get a little whim- window into like what's happening in our local area. And we've brought in Moselle Campbell, who's, you know, I would like to dub the expert of Washington homeschooling, no. but she would not, she would not accept that. <laughs> Um, we, we just wanted to get kind of like an update on like what's going on in our backyard and for people listening to kind of like extrapolate that out and wonder like what's going on in their states. Um, so what's happening in Washington with homeschooling? We've had a huge surge in homeschooling in the last two years for an unknown reason. Um, (laughs) and we wanted to know kind of what's moving through, maybe what's happening at the state level, maybe some statistics, you know, teach us, educate us. Okay. So I guess the biggest news in Washington right now is there is a bill, that has that the legislature is trying to pass right now and um it is actually set to lower the compulsory education age from eight years old to five years old Hmm. um currently washington state has a law that says you do not have to begin any formal education with your child until eight years old now Anyone who's going to go through the public school route mostly sends their kid to school at five. They do the kindergarten thing, um, all that stuff. But homeschoolers in general tend to start educating their children later. The it's uh, the bill is SB five five three seven, and the compulsory attendance law that's already in place doesn't prohibit anyone from attending school. Um, it actually just allows people who want to follow some of the scientific research that has come out about later education to do so. So even a family who is going to send their child to public school sometime in the future, they want to keep them home for a couple of years, do some education at home before sending them. Or a kid who maybe turned five, you know, three days before the cutoff, they want to mm-hmm. keep their kid home for another year in order to help them be more um, socially or emotionally mature, that kind of thing. This uh, bill went to the Senate, the Washington State Senate, um, in December, and it was pre-filed. And then they had um, they had a hearing on the bill. So they actually went through and they had they took um, testimony from parents, they took testimony from educators, and they had a lot of things go through to where it was um, basically hashed out essentially on the Senate floor. So. In Washington state, you're getting a lot of, you're getting some varied opinions. So when I wrote to my senator talking about the bill, I basically got a very generic response back saying like, oh, we're going to vote how we think is best, essentially, is what they told me. And I'm like, cool, thanks. Um, so it was pretty, my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the public hearing happened on January 14th and, um, they had a lot of testimony. They had a lot of written testimony. They had a lot of, um, people kind of zooming in and doing testimony. They had people that were actually at the Capitol and they had all these different things that were going on. 
So, you know, the argument that was made from the uh, senator who filed the bill was that, well, all other states or almost all the other states start at five or six. Well, I mean, I was, you know, when I was reading the Washington Homeschool Organizations, when I was reading their thing on it, one of their comments that really stuck out to me, it was like, well, I don't know about you, but because everyone else is doing it has never been a compelling argument. Right. I feel like this is the jump off the bridge metaphor. <laughs> right. So <laughs> just point. because everyone else is doing it. So the state actually tried to make this change once before. And so when that, when they did that, you know, they have to go through all the stuff, like what is the fiscal note? Like how much is the state going to benefit from this? And um, the fiscal note was $0. Right. Is this something we get to vote on or this be just be done at the legislature? This is going to be done at the legislative level, which is why they allowed the hearing and things like that. But the fiscal note was $0. So the state knew that every five, six and seven year old that was going to be in school was already there. My personal belief is that this is a response to the huge numbers of people that have chosen to homeschool. Are they trying to make it more difficult, do you think, for because people would then have to file declaration of exactly. intent? Exactly. They'd for have a to file declarations for a five-year-old and for a six-year-old, and they'd have to do their testing. That's they'd it. have to do their testing or assessment. Um, and so if you're adding more requirements and restrictions, people are going to say, well, it's just easier to send them to school. Also, there's a whole host of families that try out homeschooling the first couple years of their students' education, and then they decide to continue with homeschool because they love it. So without having that kind of trial period where their kid can stay at home if they're not ready, like emotionally or mentally ready for kindergarten, where their kid can learn at home to see if homeschooling is a good fit for them, you know, without having those couple of years, you're going to see a lot more kids entering the school system early. I don't know how much research you, anyone has done on um, countries like Finland and, <laughs> or sorry, Denmark, not Finland, um, who start schooling at like age eight. Overall, their kids are better educated. They're more well-rounded. They're happier and they're more mentally healthy than our kids. Yeah, I, I think I think we read a little bit about, the, um, there's some, I, I don't know if it's Sweden or Norway. They, they also start, I think, a year or so later, like at seven years old. And they don't go, they don't go as long. They, I think they... I mean, they have a little bit of a different um, idea of track for like high schools where they mm-hmm. go into more vocational and then, yep. you know, kind of a college level. So we, we don't do that here. We kind of do the sorting after 18 years old or yes. senior year. and Which so makes they, a lot of sense, right? To, uh, yeah. to sort kids as they're just being kicked out of their parents' house and being told to just figure it out. We're kicking our daughter, we're kicking our daughter out at what, 16, so 17 or something? We're seeing this, this new but, bill come up right. and- and I would imagine that other states are probably seeing other various bills. Maybe it's not about compulsory age, but yeah. I'm wondering if there's a general national trend to, you know, institute small laws that just mm-hmm. make homeschooling a little bit more inconvenient. More yes. Sticky. Because they have lost so many students. They have uh, lost so many students, right. Well, and I think most most of the, the de-enrollment numbers have come at the lower grades, like those kindergarten, first and second exactly. grades that a lot of parents you know, homeschooled, like, like we, we, we've talked to a lot of parents who started homeschooling at kindergarten or first grade level because of, you know, for unknown reasons for the last two years. They didn't want their kid, their, yeah. their very young children to very have to do children, Zoom yeah. school, right? It's a lot easier to have your middle schooler do Zoom school than your, right. your yeah. kinder or first grade student. And I think, you know, you have the analogy about boiling the frog alive kind of thing. <laughs> and I think that when you institute small changes that are like, well, you know, we can still homeschool. We just have to file earlier. We just have to start testing earlier. And so 
when you allow those small changes to be made that seem like they're really not going to affect the day-to-day lives of most homeschoolers. Because really, I mean, in practical, in the practicality of it, if you have to file an extra paper or get your kid an assessment, you know, you look at that and you're like, okay, well, that doesn't seem like that bad of a change, right? And so you look at that and you're like, okay, so I can still homeschool. I just have to do this one extra thing. But then that like opens the door to like, okay, what other changes can we make? Can we require a specific test for or assessment instead of allowing families to choose like what works best for them? Can we require you to report your grades and test results to the state? Because you've already said, let us do this. So now why don't we just go ahead and do this as well? Slippery slope. Yeah. And so the other flip side of that is there is um, a group called Empower Washington. And I think that they have a lot of really good intentions, but they're not, they're not homeschool advocates. Um, They are working on trying to get funding available. So if your kid doesn't attend public school, they're saying like you would get like, I don't remember what the amount was. I think they settled on like 15 grand a year to use for your kid's educational needs. Um, So parents could use that to help send their kid to private school or to, you know, get um, some therapy that they weren't able to get at school or something like that. So like if your kid's not in traditional school, they're working on getting that funding. Um, And when I actually went to a few of the early Empower meetings, and I had said, I said, you know, I said, you were only going to get homeschoolers on board if you make this an, a separate option, not as a, this is under HBI law, uh, the home-based instruction for people who are not familiar with our, our terminology in Washington, Washington State, something that's not under HBI law, but that's actually a separate option. I said, this is the only way you're going to get homeschoolers on board, because if you make it tied into HBI law, and saying like, oh, your student has to register for these funds. And so they have to follow all the HBI requirements. You're going to scare off a lot of homeschoolers. And looking back, I'm like, okay, so this would totally make it easier for them to kind of push the, push this funding through. So I wonder really where the source is coming from. And I'm not saying that it's coming from them, but I'm like, this ties in awfully closely to what these other people are possibly doing. Interesting. And I'm no longer attending the Empower meetings, so I don't know what's being discussed in them. At the beginning of the summer, when they stopped for the summer, I just never went back. And it wasn't really a conscious choice. It just didn't happen. And so it was one of those things that I don't know what's going on with that. But that is another big thing that's happening in Washington is they're basically trying to say, if you don't go to traditional school, you can get funding and you can use that for whatever educational expenses that you want to use that for. Yeah, so one I, of the concerns with funding, you know, like a backpack funding type of thing, it kind of sounds like that, yes. you know, there's there, very often there's a lot of strings attached and yeah, what the strings is. is, you know, certain requirements, certain classes, you know, whatever those might be. And, you know, for most people, I think what you were kind of alluding to is, is if there's a little bit of a resistance or um, a little bit of fear of doing something wrong, or maybe my student um, needs you know, it doesn't, it can't move at the same speed as the schools, like what you were saying, like maybe your the child learns at a different pace. Um, are, am I going to be, you know, you know, held responsible for that? Am I going, because right. his, maybe his test scores are not correct for his quote unquote grade level. And we as homeschoolers understand there's no such thing as grade level. We move at the pace of the student, you know, they don't have that same philosophy because they're, you know, a big, large bureaucratic system that makes people they're move through levels. They're trying to take levels. the boxes. Yeah, exactly. And we don't kind of run in that world. And so we're, we're kind of talking past each other. And, you know, once you start getting a little bit of dollars, what, what type of requirements or 
know, what type of requirements come in and what type of fears do I have as a parent? And am I going to make a mistake? I, I know that's when we've interviewed other people um, across the country. They, they've talked about, you know, there's a lot of things I got to check and I got to make sure it's all correct and I do things right. And, you know, there is that anxiety that you make a mistake and then I don't have that ability to homeschool, you know, whatever that right. might be. Well, and, you know, along with that, um, I know that several, and I don't remember exactly when this was, um, so don't, you know, come at me for the year or whatever, but it, it was several years ago, they tried to implement a thing that, you know, you had to submit your test scores as, you know, as homeschoolers. And the, everything was written to say, like, if you submit your test scores and they're, you know, consistently lower, I think you had to be lower for like two years in a row than like your your average school or whatever, like your average grade level, um, then you would be required to enroll in public school. Mm, and the flip side of that is if... Exactly. If they're failing in public school, they could have come back to homeschool. And I read that, I think, on Washington Homeschool Organization, but I don't remember when that happened. But it was like, a yeah, this is the flip side. So that, you know, that proposal very quickly died because they were like, oh, well, no, then we can't do that because there are plenty of kids who fail year after year after year in the public school system. And Mm -hmm. so when you look at stuff like that, um, it's like, you know, Washington homeschoolers have always really loved their independence and we have more regulation than a lot of States, but I don't feel that the amount of regulation that we have is, I don't think it's stifling at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like, taking a test or an assessment, they don't even tell you which one. They say you can do a checklist if you want. You can send in your stuff to a teacher. You can take a test. You can take this test. You can take this test, whatever. And so they do still offer us a lot of free freedom. Um, filing a paper every year that says, hey, we're homeschooling, like that's not an, an inordinate amount of pressure on us. I don't feel like that that's something unreasonable that the state asks of us. But we do like our freedom here. And so when you start to have the state coming in and saying, we're going to change the way homeschooling works. You've got a lot of homeschoolers that are like, no, you're, you're not, you're not going to do that. And I think that WHO has been really integral in making sure that one, everybody knows about what's happening. I would not have known about SB 5528 unless I'd been watching the Washington homeschool organization page. I just wouldn't have known about it. You know, having those informational resources and having um, organizations like that, that tell us when something's happening, you know, has been really, really valuable in keeping us all informed of what's going on. But there's, you know, there's been a lot of other things too. Like if we didn't know, for example, that public schools aren't allowed to ask you, um, they're not allowed to ask you after you file your, file your declaration of intent, oh, what are they going to be doing? What curriculum are they going to be using? Like if we didn't know that public schools weren't allowed to ask us that, then how many parents would be giving school districts ammunition to be able to uh, file more bills and to do different things like that? Yeah. And they do ask, you know, we do have school districts to do the wrong thing. So, so these are two kind of, uh, you know, current issues in Washington state, which I think are probably national trends, which is the, the, uh, you know, trying to get some, uh, put some impediments and, and difficulties between families and homeschooling, and also the the concept of backpack funding. Do you see any other kind of trends or things on the horizon that you know like this? That's like ah, I feel like this is coming, or you know, there's been some some chatter about it. So I think the biggest, and this is actually not a legal trend. This is just kind of a trend in general, and I think we're probably seeing this across the country. I'm seeing a lot of divisiveness within the homeschool community. And there's a lot of 
you're not a real homeschooler because you send your kid to a parent partnership. And mm-hmm. you are not a real homeschooler because your did, kid does K-12. And so we're seeing a lot of gatekeeping, I think, mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. And while I agree that everyone needs to know the correct definition for things, and I think that's important because when you blur the lines between, and I think that's where it's coming from, like they don't want the lines blurred between what's homeschool and what's public school. Mm-hmm. I think that that's super important. And I hope, I think most people would agree with me that that's important not to blur the Mm -hmm. lines. And that's where the hostile and the divisiveness comes from. I'm seeing just in the communities in general, a lot of gatekeeping with that, where if, you know, your parent partnership kids hang out with your parent partnership kids and your homeschool kids hang out with your homeschool kids, and you're not seeing a lot of like um, intermingling um, Mm -hmm. with the families and you're not seeing a lot of that because there's such a hostility towards coming from the longtime homeschoolers to anyone who utilizes public school resources. I feel like there's two, you know, I've observed just uh, around there on the Facebooks, you know, a lot of hostility too between what uh, long-term homeschoolers think of as kind of like fly-by-night COVID Uh homeschoolers. Yeah. You know, and that it always really bothers me. And and I know there's been splitting off of groups and things where people are like, oh, this is only for like homeschoolers that are really in it for the long haul, not just these Mm -hmm. temporary people. And I I think that's so, first of all, it's disingenuous, but um, I think that this is like our, this is our chance as homeschoolers to give this olive branch to all of these families who have been impacted by the pandemic and work situations, which are off the pandemic and things. Anyway, they've decided to come to homeschooling for whatever myriad reason has happened. Right. And this is our chance to embrace them and show them that this is a wonderful, welcoming, supportive community that right. will help them. And maybe that, you know, COVID homeschooler turns into a long-term homeschooler. The right. number exactly. of people we have interviewed oh on this God. show who said, <laughs> I started homeschooling because of the pandemic and, and I now I can't imagine not homeschooling the rest of my children's right. education. I, 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 you know, we, we hear that story time and again. And so whenever I see the gatekeeping, I like, I grind my teeth because I, I think- you know, whatever definition you want to give people, or if you want to say somebody is, if you're here for five minutes of homeschooling or five years, we should all be supportive of each other because, you know, we're all doing something that is out of the norm. Right. It's it's out of the, like the path that has been set for us as parents in the United yeah. States is okay. The kid turns five and then you do this thing. And then they turn six, you know, it's just, yep. this is the the path and it requires literally no um, no planning to do it. They just right. like auto, auto enroll you, you know, it's like, it's done. Um, you know, we're, we're forging our own path and we are here, should be here to support each other. So that's my soapbox, but I really hate that. Cause I just, <laughs> I agree. I feel like this is our chance to show everybody that, you know, homeschoolers are not weird. They're not antisocial, that their kids turn out to be well adjusted, uh, intelligent yeah. and, and, you know, um, valuable adult citizens and that, you know, maybe their kids should join the ranks of us homeschoolers uh, even after the pandemic. So I I just wish everybody was, was just more welcoming of, you know, and I know that there's this huge influx of secular homeschoolers with, with the pandemic and some of the uh, religious homeschoolers, I think that's a little bit threatening to them. Like yes. this was a space that they kind of held on to. You know, right. they were definitely in the vast majority, and now that's kind of shifting too. So I think some of those folks are definitely worried about losing ground a little bit because you know they are homeschooling for value value reasons, and mm-hmm. that's very um, important to them. And you know, I don't think anybody wants to step on anybody's toes. I think everybody just wants what's 
what they feel is best for their kids. Yeah, embracing the idea of choice, you know? I think, is maybe Absolutely. maybe it should be more of like a meta argument above homeschooling. That homeschooling, you know, whether whatever whatever gradient you may have, that 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 is choice. Whether choice comes from sending my kid to a Montessori school right down the street, or to the Christian school, or to you know uh, just a regular secular private school, whatever it might be. It's just, just the idea of embracing choice and allowing people to have the choice that is unique yeah. to them. I think that might be a, a, the, where I think the conversation should be going right? as opposed to saying, you know, this is our little fiefdom. But I think <laughs> I think things are moving well, on. I have yeah. seen it move. It's getting better, I think, yeah, than yeah. it was at the beginning. And I don't feel like anyone is intentionally saying like, you know, I think it's um, a more of a visceral reaction to mm-hmm. that. I don't think anyone's mm-hmm. intentionally coming in saying like, we want to keep this exactly as it always has been and we don't want to let anyone new in and we don't want other opinions. I don't think it's that. I think it's a visceral reaction to, you know, we're just seeing this huge, just exponential growth in the community. And so people are doubling down. They're saying like, this is the way that we've always done it. And you're coming in with all your new ideas and you're coming in. I'm like, no, but there's a lot of people that don't like change. And I think just generally as human nature, we like to keep things the way that we've always known them. You know, and so when I don't think it's an intentional thing, I don't think anyone's intentionally trying to keep people out or, you know, make people feel less than for homeschooling a certain way. I literally think that it's a visceral reaction to what's happening and Mm -hmm. watching Mm -hmm. the change happen before our eyes and not knowing how to um, control the trajectory, not knowing how to um, control the effects of that trajectory and having like just feeling out of control. And I think that's what it comes down to is people feel out of control. And that's where the reactions are coming from. Not from a place of hostility or hatred, just like, crap, this is happening. And like, I, I don't like what I'm seeing, you know, (laughs) I I think we as homeschoolers like to be in control, you know, that's part of it, right? Like we want to be in control of our kids' education and what we're doing. And I think that this is, there's a loss of control with, with Mm -hmm. such a huge influx Mm -hmm. of people joining this. And the other, there may be another element as well. I'd like to hear your idea on this, you know, you know, as there's this huge influx, I mean, we went from maybe a couple million homeschoolers to like 10 million homeschoolers. And that now is, we are, I think homeschooling for a short period of time might have eclipsed private school in like the size just for like a short period of time. I I may, I may have my numbers, but like we were up to that level and there may be some fear, you know, in the homeschooling community who've been here for a long time that, you know, we, we just want to be left alone. Right. Leave us alone. And (laughs) now the attention that's drawn to it. Yeah. 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 The eye of Sauron has turned on to us and we now, they, they, you know, that's, I think where maybe you get a lot of those like anti public schoolers that they're afraid that as we've discussed that maybe legislation would come down and, you know, Absolutely. impact what they're doing and they just want to be left alone. Right. <laughs> just leave right. me alone. Well, the, the school public schools yeah. want the funding, the public exactly. schools want the funding. And if they're seeing a huge loss of funding due to this thing, they're going to start to shift their attention to that. And so, okay. and I think that that you're right in that, in that when people are reacting to this, they're reacting to, we don't want this kind of attention. We love homeschoolers and we, we love welcoming new people into our like small communities, but we don't want such a huge influx that the government's like, uh, maybe we put a, we put a stop to this, or maybe we put a lot of restrictions and make this a lot harder. Or maybe we get federal homeschooling laws instead of state by state. And I think that that's a huge thing too, is because we're watching the education system across the United States completely take a shift and take a new direction. And so, you know, 
the federal government might decide at some point that we are losing too much money you know, into our education system. We're losing too much out of our education system. We're losing teachers right and left because, you know, they can't handle all the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years. We're losing all this different stuff and our federal education system is in trouble. So now we're going to take those laws and apply them across the board so that you don't have the freedom to do what you need to do in Texas or in Washington. Um, Or, you know, I think Idaho has like no laws or like they have very, very few laws. Um, so someone in Idaho is like, well, what if they make it like New York and you have to submit your lesson plans every single semester and you have to do all this stuff? Like what if they take those, the harshest States and they take those standards and apply them across the board to create barriers for homeschoolers? Well, you know what we, and as we talk about this, this bill that's, that's up in the, our state legislature right now is going to be voted on. I mean, public comment. Yes. But we didn't have any opportunity to, I mean, they're, they're going to get to vote on it without right. the will of the people. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's where I think it's very scary because these laws yeah. can be put into place without us getting a chance right. to really we, fight it. We do, we do get to vote up down on a lot of things, you know, yeah. yes. balloting, but it's, but you know. th- this isn't, this isn't one of them. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that's a, I think that's a really interesting thought about, um, you know, just, drawing attention and and how things could shift because definitely this is a this huge public education system is drawn is driven by dollars Mm -hmm. and you know losing you know for every kid that's enrolled in a washington state public school there's a portion of their funding that comes from the state so if they they're not enrolled that's okay that the you know the state gets to keep that money but there's a huge portion from the federal government that the state Mm -hmm. just doesn't get yeah your kid's not enrolled you lose out on that money and, and there's local that, dollars too. Yeah. Local city. And that, that makes the, the whole world go round. So mm-hmm. I, yes. I think it's really, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and to see if we see other States start to have similar trends with, mm-hmm. you know, seemingly innocuous homeschooling laws like, Oh, yeah. you know, shift the compulsory. It's just not a big deal. Everyone can still homeschool. We're not like changing it. Just like you say that kind of that frog. Right. Well, bristle like porcupines. <laughs> well, that's the yeah. thing. I think that, you know, uh, state legislatures don't realize yeah. that homeschoolers have a lot of uh, time on their hands and are very motivated. <laughs> I don't know how much time we actually have, but I'm just joking. Well, we, we can make time. <laughs> yes, we can. We can make time we, for this. We, we can make an educational day about out of it and go down to the Capitol yeah, building and talk to them then because our kids are going to learn a heck of a lot by being there. And I think uh, that's what happened during the last, the last attempt to um, – to to make uh those class, that reporting class field right. that you talked about yeah, yeah. i think that that's what happened a lot of homeschoolers ended up showing up on the steps of the capitol building in olympia and they were not really prepared for that <laughs> so. well i mean i think people often think of homeschoolers um and this is obviously not true but people think of homeschoolers as either less educated or they think of homeschoolers as you know kind of like head in the sand you know, eschewing technology, like all this stuff. And like, you know, you think of the, you know, the homeschoolers in the nineties who, you know, 10 kids piled out of a van all wearing matching denim jumpers and who didn't have TV and who didn't read anything that wasn't, you know, from their church or things like that. So like people have this like really old fashioned and very inaccurate view of homeschoolers. And so I think oftentimes politicians especially will, um, underestimate us, which might work in our favor at times. Yep. They will underestimate like what we're actually like the lengths we're actually willing to go to to make sure that 
our way of educating our own kids is kept intact. Absolutely. I that agree. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the, the uniqueness there. Um, you run a Facebook group. Could I do. You tell every, could you tell everyone, uh, we have a lot of listeners in Washington about your Facebook group and why they should join it and, 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 <laughs> people, all, and people all around the world if you want to get good information, but tell a little okay. bit about your Facebook group if you could. Um, so I run a group called Homeschoolers and Unschoolers of Washington State. Um, and I actually was not the creator of that group. I inherited it from a friend of mine who there was some drama that happened in the group and it kind of blew up. And she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And she messaged me and said, do you want to take this group over? Otherwise, I'm going to delete it. And there was like, I think two or 3,000 members in it at that time. And I was like, well, don't delete this group. Like, there's so much there. So I was like, okay, I took it over. And it was a super snap judgment. Um, and then she left. She just left the group completely. And I was, I kind of started dealing with all the aftermath of the drama that had happened in the group. Um, so I kind of came into it by accident. I didn't uh, intentionally start running this group. Mm-hmm. And so after a while, um, you know, I kind of let everything die down. I started thinking about the direction I wanted the group to go in. We differ, my family differs from a lot of homeschoolers in the fact that we are fairly liberal. We're not red at all. We are a lot more blue. Um, and so I wanted the group to make sure, I wanted to make sure that the group was a safe and welcoming and inclusive, inclusive space for people of all genders, all sexualities, people of all races, and that no one felt unsafe being in the group. Um, because homeschooling is a very typically, uh, traditionally, I wouldn't say typically, I would say traditionally, it's a very conservative method of educating your kids. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I wanted to make sure that there was a group for everyone else. Um, and not just everyone else, but those people as well. Like we are Christian, but we're liberal. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we, I kind of am like straddling the fence on that <laughs> a little bit. And so I wanted to make sure the group was a welcoming space for everyone, that we were giving factual information over the last couple of years with everything that has gone on. Um, I've tried to keep it a place that um, adheres to federal, local, state mandates, that kind of thing. Um, It's not always easy, and I miss a lot because, you know, it's hard. (laughs) But um, I started, you know, when I started running that group, I didn't know what it was going to become. Over the last couple of years since I took it over, it has grown exponentially. And I have probably 25 to 30 new requests a day. Um, to join the group. So a lot of them do get denied because either there are vendors that are only looking to come in there to sell to homeschooling families and they're not really interested in being part of the community or they are from out of state and really, you know, we don't allow people from out of state in there unless they're planning on moving to Washington. Um, and the reason we don't is because it's a local group and I would like to keep it fairly local. Um, so unfortunately those listeners that are not in Washington, won't be able to join. That's okay. (laughs) I just wanted to tell you guys, like, I'm sorry. Like, um, we do want to keep it local. Um, because a lot of the stuff that we discuss in the group is very state specific. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want someone coming and getting like homeschool legal advice in our group and taking it to 
Maryland or whatever and not being able to, I, I don't know the laws in Maryland, so I don't know if they would <laughs> conflict or not, <laughs> but taking it to like Maryland or whatever, and then getting in trouble in that way. So we do try to keep it uh, local because we want to um, really focus on Washington itself and how homeschooling in Washington might differ from other places. Yeah, it's a great group. I've gotten a lot of good Thank advice you. there and uh, it's really helpful. So yeah, if there's any young homeschoolers uh, or potential homeschoolers in Washington State, definitely join the uh, Washington... Um, homeschoolers and unschoolers of Washington State. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know it's a mouthful. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> name it. <laughs> it was already there. Um, we'll make yeah. sure to include a link below in our show notes so everybody can click on there and go Perfect. ahead and subscribe. And I will say too that, um, you know, we do accept people that are just thinking about homeschooling. We don't require you to already be homeschooling to be in the group, which is something that some homeschool groups actually require you to do. Um, we don't require you to be already homeschooling and we are okay if you're doing a parent partnership or if you're doing distance learning through your school district or if you're homeschooling partially and your child's enrolled at the public school for a couple classes, like any of those things are okay. While we recognize that not all those things are traditional homeschooling, we also recognize that there is a huge shift in the way that education is perceived um, in our state and in our country. And there's more and more people choosing alternative options. And we do want to be a space where anyone can come into the group and get advice. Like we have people ask all the time, like, has anyone ever done K-12 or has anyone ever done WAVA or has anyone, you know, done this online program through like Liberty University or anything like that? Like, mm -hmm. yes, those things aren't traditional homeschooling, but that doesn't mean that people who are choosing alternative paths for their child shouldn't be helped. And just like I didn't know the difference between homeschooling and parent partnership when I was, you know, starting out. There's a lot of people that don't know that difference. And well, so and I think there's a lot of people, even us, you know, a parent partnership, that's only part of the story, right? You, right. the rest of it, the, the core of it is actually homeschooling at home. So a lot right. of the advice is still applicable, even though you're not legally quote unquote. Yeah. Homeschoolers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not, but you're still, you know, for most parent partnerships, you're still picking your curriculum. You're still mm -hmm. doing a lot of your stuff at home. Your kid's just going to science class or whatever at the public school. So it's exactly. not like yeah. it's for a lot of people to use it as supplementary. And, um, you know, I will be the first to admit that at least for my oldest, we are not legally homeschooling, but we were for a very long time and we have kind of transitioned into that. So I want people in all of those areas to feel welcome into the group um, and to not consistently be told like, well, you're not homeschooling. And it yeah. does happen well, a lot. And I do try to nip that. <laughs> <laughs> I try to nip that in the bud when I see it in the group, but unfortunately some of it does get through because I cannot stare at my computer 24 seven. I'm a busy woman. <laughs> so, gosh, this was so great. Um, thank you, myself, for joining us. Uh, it just, it's really got, I, I'm just thinking about so many things with, you know, trends, and I'm very curious to watch how we don't, we don't talk about like, kind of the politics of homeschool very often. So, it was, it was actually nice to hear. And, you know, you educated us on a lot of things that we, you know, we maybe we don't have as much of a window into as well. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, I would love to um, leave you too with, um, you know, something that there was a study done a few years ago, um, and this might help people understand and have some like, not necessarily ammunition, but have some kind of basis when they're making their arguments, whether politically or otherwise. There was an article, and I will go ahead and send you the link, um, and maybe you can put it in the podcast notes if you want. But it was an article called How American Homeschoolers Measure Up. And I'm going to pull it up right now. And it is... Um, 
is actually an infographic, which is really nice because it helps, but it does list those sources and things like that. Um, I love infographics. I know. Well, it's so great because it really helps, you know, us understand like how the politics things work. So it goes through a timeline of homeschool law, um, you know, like for example, like homeschooling wasn't legal in all 50 states until 1993. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like different things like that, where you're talking about the politics of things. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about education levels, different things like that, this infographic has a lot of stuff. as to like why people are actually homeschooling. And this is, again, this is a few years old now with the, um, new influx, this may, this may need to be reevaluated. Um, but for example, like homeschoolers rank in the 87th percentile for national standardized tests. It's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not the test scores. 87% of all students scored lower than homeschoolers. And that's mm-hmm. on average. Um, you know, but we're, you know, consistently in the 80th and 90th percentiles across the board on almost everything compared to uh, public school students. Uh, 25% of homeschoolers are ahead of grade you know, their grade ranking if you're comparing to public school. Um, You've got, this thing has surveys from other stuff, um, from homeschoolers on like, whether they were happy they were homeschooled. Um, Or when you look at, for example, 74% of homeschoolers continue on to college versus 49% of the general population. So you look at these statistics and, you know, people, when people are discussing legalities, having this kind of data to share with people to say like, this is why we're choosing this, you know, this is what the benefits are. This is why we have chosen this for our family. And to be able to go to legislators and be like, okay, you know, like this is why we want these laws to stay the same because obviously homeschoolers are doing their job because, you know, when you have 99% of homeschoolers have read a book in the past six months versus 69% of the general population or $500 per year on homeschooling versus $10,000 per year per child that the public school sends. And so it's like, you look at these. And so like this infographic is a really good thing for like when you're discussing politics, when you're trying to fight for whatever um, homeschool related cause that you're doing, having those, that data and those things are really, really good. And so, like I said, I will send you the link and hopefully that um, it can be included in the podcast links. Absolutely. We'll definitely include that and, and we'll make sure to share that on our Instagram as well. Yeah, yeah, great. Infographics are always helpful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, and you're this welcome. was very, very interesting. I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!